0: Where did you get this? On a dig down in Thebes. Jonathan, I think you found something.
1: There is an ancient legend of a place known as the City of the Dead. We call it the doorway to hell.
0: Where the earliest pharaohs were said to have hidden the wealth of Egypt. Are we going into battle? There's something out there. Something underneath that sand. They came to uncover its secrets. Mummies, my good son. This is where they made the mummies.
1: They sought to unlock its treasure.
0: And then there was light. Oh, boy.
1: What they did... Oh, my
0: God. It does exist. I think this may be the book of the dead.
1: ...was unleash a force unlike any the world has ever known.
0: You must not wait for The creature that we have for more than three thousand years. He will regenerate and no longer be the undead.
1: We are in serious trouble.
0: Universal Pictures
1: invites you as well a This just keeps getting better and better. To experience
0: the adventure. It appears he's already chosen his human sacrifice. That will live forever. He turns me into a mummy of the first one I'm coming after. trailer what a trailer So epic oh my goodness it really broke out all the good sound effects library cues for that one
1: there's a lot of drops in that trailer wow everybody welcome back to the show Welcome back everybody out there listening my name's pete
0: and i'm scott and these are, are the, the movies that, movies that made, made us gay, gay. Yay. just us today
1: we're back it's just us no guests, just us. No guests. But, well, we'll give us some more applause because it's, even though it's just us, hey, it's like the good old days. Yeah,
0: it's a beautiful night in Pasadena it and is, really is. good for podcasting.
1: This is true. It's a lovely night for podcasting. There's, uh, not a car in sight. No. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's self isolating, uh, home, uh, Sheltering in place as usual, and uh, we watched The Mummy from Damn 1999. Straight. We watched
0: The Mummy directed by <laughs> Steven Sommers from 1999. Another movie to put on the pile of 1999 movies that we've done because mm-hmm. we've done a lot.
1: Yes, there are plenty of 1999 movies uh, that are awesome. This is one of them. Uh, There's a fun story about how we decided to uh, choose this movie for your listening pleasure this week and some cool stuff about the movie itself.
0: So we did kind of want to get out of the 90s, but in uh, thinking of that, we just decided to uh, do some picks from the 90s, (laughs) classics from the 90s. So how did we land on Brendan... Frazier.
1: So we were having a drink.
0: There's nobody in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. There's just
1: only sidewalk tables. So we just figured why not. And so we sat down and we had one drink on the sidewalk while we were renting movies at our local uh, video rental palace. We
0: were sitting across from the Michael Myers house in South Pasadena. We were. We were sitting quite literally the actual location
1: of uh, the Myers residence from the very first Halloween movie where uh, young Michael Myers slashed his... uh, naked booby sister uh at the very beginning of the movie. i
0: mean national landmark of south pasadena
1: indeed um and i don't know what uh why i got a wild bug up my ass but i just thought you know what we have not really touched upon the hotness that is brendan Fraser, and... underrated 90s hunk <laughs> and even 2000s hunk he's definitely a hunk mm-hmm. he's a hunky person and he had a lot to do with many of our sexual awakenings, definitely, and um there are two movies in particular that stood out for me, especially um because Brendan Fraser is so dreamy um I mean most of his early you know uh his early run of films he's very dreamy and
0: and we're talking gods and monsters i was gonna I was gonna mention that gods and monsters definitely had a mm-hmm. profound effect on. A young teenage me. Well, Gods and Monsters For, for has, multiple reasons. Yes. It has like mm-hmm. a whole gay storyline yeah. and
1: all of that stuff. So as a young gay kid, like in the, you know, mid nineties, this movie, you know, we talk about this every now and then, but you know, twenty five years ago, it was not the way it is today. The movie landscape was very different. So when gay movies came around, it was very much like I have to see
0: that. And Gods and Monsters was like an award prestigious movie too. Yes, indeed. yes that indeed. It's about the the later life of James Whale.
1: The director of The Bride of Frankenstein. Which we will get to others.
0: eventually on this show. I would love to do a Bride of Frankenstein episode. Yes.
1: And, uh, like you said, it was a prestige movie. It had Ian McKellen, one of mm-hmm. his kind of, I mean, not breakout roles. Ian McKellen has been a fine actor his entire life, but you know, it, it was around this time. It really when caught mainstream. He really became a mainstream, um, you know, to an American audience
0: and, um, lost the Oscar to Roberto Benino Benina, Benini, Benini. That's some bullshit right there.
1: Hey, well, he wants to make love to everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Um, but we have that movie, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we also have George of the Jungle, where mm-hmm. we have a shirtless, loincloth, you know, trod, uh, Brendan Fraser running around the entire time. This is also a sexual awakening for some people, because I feel like Brendan Fraser was known in the late 90s for that bod. Definitely. Like, he was known for,
0: like— Not a lot of body fat.
1: Oh, my god, mm-hmm. He was, like, 2% body fat.
0: Yeah. during *George of the Jungle*,
1: it was like a thing. It was like he was on all the rags, like you know, *Entertainment Tonight*. I mean, yeah, everybody this, was just interviewing him, talking mm-hmm. about that body. And
0: I was gonna say, like before Gerard Butler's crazy workout that got a lot of press for three hundred. Yeah, I feel, *Fight Club*. I feel I remember reading a lot about before Brad Pitt and *Fight Club*. Brendan Fraser's work that he put into it that was
1: role. Brendan Fraser and *George of the Jungle*, and that body otty yadi, that he's serving.
0: Super cute movie, too.
1: Yeah. Um, but what I really wanted to touch on was, I mean, Brendan Fraser's body is amazing, but his moneymaker is that face. It's that smile. It is that yeah. face. Those lips. Mm-hmm. Those pouty lips. Yeah, I mean, and that face does not get any more beautiful than Encino Man.
0: So good in Encino Man.
1: Yes. I think... Um, The movie's great. He's great in it. It's just really funny. It's charming. It's got Sean Astin from the Goonies, who he loved, you know. Finest
0: movie of Polly Shore's career. I mean, come on. We won't get too into Encino Man, because I have a feeling (laughs) we're going to be doing a whole episode of this very, very soon.
1: Mm, Maybe. Mm. Um, But the thing was... Uh, we couldn't figure out a movie to do. We're like, we just got to choose one and choosing these movies. Sometimes if we don't have guests lined up saying, I want to do this movie, we're just like, Oh my God, how are we going to figure out what the movie to do? So I said, we love doing these polls. Let's do a fucking poll. So we did the,
0: The Encino Man versus Mummy poll. And I knew this one would be pretty close because for me it was kind of a toss-up. Yes. I voted for for – because I vote on my personal account because I am a listener to the show. I like to listen (laughs) to my own voice. I personally voted for The Mummy, and I believe you did too. I did. I voted for The Mummy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And here we are. But it was a pretty close poll too.
1: Not so close that our two votes skewed it.
0: Yeah, by any means. definitely. I
1: think The Mummy won by like five votes. I know
0: that usually people of a certain age do have an affection for Encino Man, too.
1: Yes, this is true. This is true. Because, yeah, it's just that it's a Brendan movie, but it's also part of the poly Shore family. You and know?
0: Like you mentioned, a very underrated um, Sean Astin movie, too. Yes, that indeed, he's pretty good in. Yes,
1: indeed. So, uh, so we landed on the mummy from 1999 and I mean this, you know, he's not serving shirtless body, yaddy, yaddy, like Encino man, but there are a lot of gay hallmarks in this movie. It's Mm -hmm. kind of filled with gay coded characters. We're watching it the other night just as a refresher and just like, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, from Rachel Vice. Who is serving face. Super fierce. She is serving face. She's walking the face category and she may be snatching. I mean, it if
0: Rachel is walking the face category, Patricia Vasquez as anoxuna Moon is definitely walking the body category. Yes,
1: Patricia Vasquez is serving body. She is like doing the five elements of Vogue as she's walking down that golden
0: hallway. She's posing the house down when she's like. In nothing but when body she's paint. she's leaning on like the, on the statue when, the, when ki- the pharaoh walks the little in. little kitty cat. And, yep.
1: she's, and she's, and she's stroking the kitty cat's head. She's mm-hmm. petting it. She is wearing a nothing but body paint and pasties.
0: Yeah. I'll have you know. Like full, uh, Ploy Mansion style from the mid nineties <laughs> when they would, when they would do body paint. Yes. I well, think that was actually the mid two thousands.
1: And also ancient mm-hmm. Egyptian style from, yeah. you know, this, from this time frame. But, uh, yeah, there's like, there's like lady serving face, serving body. There's gay coded characters. There's hunky Brendan Fraser.
0: You know a good a good showcase of just movie camp too. Yes, that knows how to have a good time.
1: Yes, I mean on top of all that, it's a really fun adventure movie from '99 that I think was just a crossover hit. I think people just really liked it when it came out because yeah. it's just fun.
0: I have a little backstory of the making of the movie too. Sweet, do you want me to go into it? Yeah, go. Well. It. Um, I think that the idea to reboot The Mummy had always been around at Universal, probably since the late 80s. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was doing research, I saw Clive Barker did a pitch in a, in a story treatment to Universal. It was ended up rejected because I think it was just a little too dark. In 94, Joe Dante was tapped to direct a version with Daniel Day-Lewis that was very close to getting made. And I think that it just fizzled out over budget issues. Mm-hmm. And then cut to the... Late 90s, like around 97, 98, Universal was kind of going through some financial trouble. They had some very um, notorious bombs that did not do well. Babe Pig in the City, Meet Joe Black, Jamie Lee Curtis and Virus, our beloved Psycho remake, definitely underperformed. And the Universal studio head was definitely mining the company vault because they just really needed a hit. So Stephen Sommers ended up sort of giving them a pitch of, I want to make a Raiders of the Lost Ark take on the mummy kind yes. of by the way of Jason and the Argonauts. Sure. And I think that kind of the studio was just really sold on his uh, enthusiastic approach to the material. That I think that Stephen Sommers is just someone that really sort of wears his heart on his shoulder when it comes to directing movies. And I think that he just really wanted to make a sincere, fun, mummy movie. Yeah. So, uh, cut to casting it. They offered the role of Brendan Fraser to... Tom you mean Cru- Rick O'Connell. Rick O'Connell. Excuse me. Uh, they offered it to like Tom Cruise, oh, Matt Damon, The Usual no. Suspects, Ben Affleck, all of which had to turn down the movie just because their their schedules were just way too busy to fit in this movie.
1: Tom Cruise, who went on to do a mummy movie thirty years later,
0: <laughs> and that one's uh, we can talk a little bit about that at the end. <laughs> Twenty years later, mm-hmm. and Stephen Sommers really liked Brendan and was super impressed with what a sleeper hit George of the Jungle was. Mm-hmm. So if it weren't for George of the Jungle um, and that movie crossing $100 million, Brendan would probably not be in the movie. And also, I think this was a time where Universal wanted to invest in a movie star that they could afford. It's just like, sure. when this movie costs upwards up to $100 million, they don't really want to fork over $20 million of it to somebody like say tom cruise or ben affleck they want somebody affordable because this is this was going to be a movie that universal was really relying on to be a success and they wanted to spend their money carefully with their star and they just really saw the potential in brendan fraser because i mean he had been there since like the early 90s but he hadn't really ever carried a franchise before
1: And, I mean, I think he does a fine job in carrying this movie. I think Brendan Fraser is the kind of actor in the late 90s that was, he didn't take himself too seriously, you Mm -hmm. know? He could be funny in these roles. He can play comedy, he can play action, and
0: what a perfect way to sell a movie.
1: Yeah. And plus, he's easy on the eyes on top of all that. So, uh, yeah, in a time that was, like, before social media, when we weren't really, like, in business, bed with all of these celebrities and mm-hmm. their private lives. We don't yep. really know their personality. You kind of knew that he was somebody that you can go to to make it lighthearted. And I think that Tom Cruise in this role would have changed the whole direction of it. And it kind of did in 2017. Yeah. Um, Matt Damon, I don't know. He, I think he could be funny and lighthearted, but I think at that time he was focusing. He was trying to get an acting Oscar.
0: <laughs> Maybe I could see Ben Affleck. But yeah, I think it just has to be Brandon, though. Yes.
1: Yeah. He he worked well. He works really good with Rachel Vice. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he works really good with uh, the gay brother character. I forget uh, John Hanna. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. He's really good with everything. Jonathan. Yes.
0: Jonathan. So Jonathan. filming began in Morocco on in May of '98, and it lasted for 17 weeks. This shoot sounded like a doozy of everything I've read about it. Uh, the crew endured dehydration, sandstorm, and snakes in the Sahara Desert. Snakes? Snakes. Yep. Apparently, they had a big snake problem on the set. They could not... Oh. There's some some snakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they could not shoot in Egypt because Egypt notoriously is a very dangerous country. And, well, in the, ninth, the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also where they were shooting in, in Morocco and Algiers was also very dangerous because I remember hearing stories of when they would do talk shows that the studio had to take out like a million dollar insurance policy for Brandon and Rachel. On Brandon's legs? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think they were also just worried that they would get kidnapped too. Oh, Um, so yeah, so Brendan recalls when he's done interviews about it, he describes the production as happy chaos and the experience of making it. They didn't really know what type of movie this was going to come out to be in the end cut. Sure. Like they knew that it was something special, but they didn't know if audiences would really get it though. And then when this movie came out, May of 99, I think there was a lot of hesitation when it was put on, uh, the early May, calendar that it would interfere with another movie opening in May of 99, Pete. Do you know what this what that was? Uh, I have no idea. We were just talking about it tonight. Episode 1.
1: Oh, So this
0: opened probably a few weeks before Episode 1. That's why I didn't see this in the theater, because I was busy seeing Episode 1 30 times. So... The Mummy opened May seventh, nineteen 1999, and it grossed $43 million in its opening weekend, and that was very good for this time. Yeah, I think that may have been a record that was probably shattered by Star Wars, oh, but I think that The Mummy really took advantage of all of the buzz going up to a movie like Episode 1, and oh, here here's this new else. Mummy movie that we yeah. can see as we're waiting for that movie. So it just ended up sort of taking advantage of all of the buzz for episode 1. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and then it went on to do The Mummy Returns in 2001 and uh <laughs> Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, which I have mixed feelings about. So this series has ended up grossing almost a billion dollars. Yeah. And this was a time before Marvel 2 that Studios were just sort of figuring out what to do with franchises, and I think that movies like Iron Man, uh, Thor, just kind of all of those Marvel movies, I think, do have something to thank The Mummy for, that it really set the precedent of, this is how you do a modern blockbuster. Would you agree? Um, Or like, this is... Stylistically,
1: yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say so, yeah. Um. Yeah, these movies were blockbusters at the time. I just remember people just really liking it. You know, I just remember mm-hmm. everybody just thinking it was just so much fun.
0: You, know? Can you believe I did not see this in the theater?
1: I didn't see it in the theater. Um, but like I said, I was busy watching episode one.
0: Which this just strikes me as a movie that I would have gone to at the drive-in. Sure. Two. Mm-hmm. At the many
1: drive-ins and. In Montana
0: yeah <laughs> well I mean my town had a local drive-in yes and a lot of times during the summer you could only see movies at the drive-in too sure Um, yeah I don't know why I didn't see this in the
1: theater but I remember the first time I watched it was at my good friend Jose's house Um, and he was like oh the mummy's on we have to watch it and I was like Oh, I haven't seen it and he's like you haven't seen it and he's like it's so funny and like we sat down and watched it and I was like this movie's amazing it's so fun why haven't I watched this and it's got Brendan Fraser, who's totally dreamy. I think I... And I've loved it ever since. I think I rented
0: this in the month of October in 99. So mm-hmm. I kind of saw it as a Halloween movie at the time.
1: Another thing about this movie was that it has... Uh, it's full of special effects. Mm-hmm. You know, and like big time, difficult special effects. Big money shot special before. effects in the opening scene. And um, so that was kind of all over the place. You know, when Mm -hmm. new movies come out and big special effects movies come out, there's always, you know, things on MTV news and, you know, all the entertainment magazine shows and, you know, little behind the scenes things where they talk about it. And I I always remember, you know, seeing the images of, of Arnold Vosloo who played the mummy in the, you know, nowadays you see it all the time. You always just see the actor in the like skin tight pajamas with the little triangles on them but at the time, seeing him in that, being like, what is that? And these markers on his face and all of that. And, you know, them like digitally inserting like these, these like scare beetles, like crawling out of your skin and like all of this crazy shit that went on. That opening scene that starts off in ancient Egypt, that starts on the top of a pyramid and
0: like pulls back mm-hmm. through like the city of Thebes.
1: That shot is fucking crazy.
0: It's pretty impressive even now. I think that it ages really well. It does. It ages really well. And the, I remember, you know, this
1: again, we talk about this a lot too. This was the golden age of the special edition DVD. Mm hmm. You know? Yeah, I remember this DVD and was pretty packed. This special edition DVD was packed. It had a full, I want to say, at least hour, possibly hour and a half feature-length documentary about the making of the movie that was awesome full special effects reels you know from uh, storyboard to final all that stuff and just being obsessed with all of that um, yeah just for for like a, a kid or like a young person who's like super into movies and movie making and all that this was just a blockbuster. Of the highest degree and at the time like all of that shit like came together like the amazing DVD package you know all
0: the buzz and it felt like a really fresh take on I mean one of the oldest cinematic universes in film history the the universal,
1: the universal monsters. monsters yes indeed
0: that um yeah i think that it really understood the property and knew how to have fun with it
1: well you know the 90s was also kind of a soft reboot for this universal monster family it wasn't all they weren't all universal movies by any means but you know starting with bram stoker's dracula mm-hmm. and then there's uh, the amazing wolf with <laughs> jack nicholson mike, and michelle Pfeiffer. mike nichols wolf I believe
0: mike nichols directed that movie that's
1: insane um i saw that in the theater i don't think i've ever actually seen Wolf. <laughs> i mean for all intents and purposes i've never seen it because i it sure. shot in the theater in like 1993 so who the fuck knows uh then we have the mummy you know so there's this kind don't forget of forget kevin brana's Frankenstein. Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. Yes. Yep. His, uh, his little-known brother, Kevin Branagh, directed Kevin Branagh's. <laughs> Kevin Branagh's. Kevin his, Branagh directed his the, non, the his Asylum. Non, his non-union Yes, exactly. Brother. He, directed, he directed the Asylum mockumentary, Frankenstein. Um, but Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein came out with uh, De Niro as the monster. That is this gothic, baroque, like you know crazy love story, which I have not seen that I have movie. not seen that movie yeah. in a
0: while. Oof. Be curious to see how that one Oof. holds up. Yeah, exactly.
1: But see, that's the thing is it is it not the classic that Bram Stoker's Dracula is? You know, is it just not as good? Is it just I mean, kind of forgettable? So. We all forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's this soft reboot, if you will, at the time of all these monster movies, and um, this was like the summer blockbuster version because you know Bram Stoker's Dracula is 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 Coppola. And, that, and it's the first entry. And that,
0: main in, and that managed to be sort of a major studio art house movie too.
1: Yes. But also kind of like a fringe like almost like a hammer horror movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um Wolf is kind of like this cerebral kind of like it's Mike Nichols, you know. And it's an it's an update. It's very modern, yep. you know, set in modern times. Um Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein is like this, you know, almost like this um
0: uh sweeping like epic and I think that Kenneth Branagh would say that he was trying to go more the book than James Whale was yes in his yeah. too
1: and uh almost like a prestige movie almost a period piece and this is just a summer popcorn movie yeah you know not just a summer popcorn movie but that's the genre that it lands in so you kind of have something for everybody and all that um this one maybe it's not the gayest. Maybe Bram Stoker's Dracula is the gayest. It's a little more flamboyant, <laughs> but there's still a lot for us to latch. This on is
0: kind to. of the trade brother of <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. But there's
1: also something for every type of gay in this. Oh, movie, of course, you yeah. No, because you've got like you've got Brendan, who's trade. You know, you've got uh, Evie, who is played by Rachel Vice. I mean,
0: all of us gay men love a good kind of strong heroine who uses her her wits and her brain yes indeed to get her out of trouble yes indeed
1: and you know there's a lot going on with this character there i feel like there's a lot of like nods to other movies you know there's a scene where he's like teaching her how to throw a punch yeah you know she's got some like marion ravenwood
0: in there i mean also really good movie star chemistry Chemistry. movie star chemistry too
1: yeah indeed um, she 's got some Marion Ravenwood in her character she's got you know um, like you said she 's u- using her wits and uh to get out of certain situations she's smart she's uh she's quick she's um She's fucking gorgeous. It's Rachel Vice. Yeah, I mean sake. those
0: signature Rachel Vice eyebrows. Well, they're not signature. Well, in this I mean movie. they plucked them in this movie. They are Gwen so,
1: Stefani Chola eyebrows in this movie.
0: I mean, serving some like Greer Garson realness.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mm-hmm. believe they're going for this '30s look. Yeah, um, but it was also very period for.
0: It was very appropriate for the late 90s. Yeah. Yep.
1: Because <laughs> that
0: was the lick. I think she has her regular thick eyebrows in The Mummy Returns. Yeah, she
1: does. Well, for the second movie, she is back to full Rachel Weisz servant face, face, face.
0: Future Oscar winner.
1: Is she the only Oscar winner in this movie? I think I so. so. <laughs> yep. Acting-wise, mm-hmm. maybe maybe there's some Oscar winners behind the scenes. Um... Rachel Weiss plays uh, Evie. She, Evelyn. Evelyn. She is uh, an Egyptologist.
0: Her character introduction to the library is amazing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's pretty insane.
0: So she's introduced in the Cairo. Uh, is it? Is it just the Cairo Library? I don't know. I don't know. Something Where, like that. the fuck it is. Yeah. But she is uh, looking at books atop of this ladder. And In between two very tall mm-hmm.
1: stacks of books. And the ladder has to be 15, 20 feet high. And it's not even like a triangle ladder. It's literally just like a ladder that you lay up against a wall. And she's laid it up against a freestanding bookshelf. And she's 20 feet off the ground.
0: And she tries to either reach for or put back a book on the other side of the shelf. Mm-hmm. And uh the the ladder it stands straight Stand up stands straight up
1: and she has to balance on it and it is notoriously a male stuntman in full Rachel Vice drag
0: it's so good though it's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> but just watch, just watching this like this this stuntman in this wig and this dress balance this ladder.
1: Yeah, um, we'll definitely have we we'll uh, screenshot some screen it for the Instagram of this and post those on on the Instagram account. Uh, because if you're not paying attention, you're just like, okay, it's a it's a wide shot, you know. There she is; she's hunched over, you know, because she's trying to like steady herself on this ladder. But you know, when you listen to the commentary, he's like, oh yeah. That's
0: a dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're all a bunch of dudes. And you get just a really great scene where all the bookshelves knock each other over. and Domino effect. That's...
1: It's a circular room mm-hmm. and these 20-foot-tall bookshelves domino down completely around Rachel Weiss And she's in the shot with them. And they did that shit in camera.
0: Yeah. It's one all... shot.
1: Yeah. It's all in camera. She's there. And... Uh... I don't know if they had to do it multiple times because that would be a lot of resetting of those
0: books in those shelves. Stephen Summers, as I remember on the commentary, is pretty proud of it. Yeah, I think they got it in one shot. He's proud
1: of a lot of this movie. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, that that like money shot in particular, I think, is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's really it's really cool. It's really
1: fun. And it's, it's right at the beginning of the movie. That's the thing. We're watching it and we're just like, oh, my God, this movie shoots its watch so many times. There's like a ton of huge... Uh, Action sequences, special effects stuff, you know, stunts, all this crazy shit going on. And you're like, oh man, we haven't even gotten to the mummy yet. Yeah. Like, there's like a river boat that
0: sinks and's on fire. Like, it's the movie just trying to top itself with each scene.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, but Evie is our uh central character, Evelyn, and she 's an egyptologist she 's a librarian. They set her up early on in the movie because she can read and speak ancient Egyptian.
0: Is that a thing her parents who knows her parents were famous egyptologists, and that's yes, where she indeed. learned it um but yeah can- can people actually just
1: read you know hieroglyphics off of a wall I mean I like, suppose that's so what this says um, maybe for the, for, for the, the purposes of this movie, the yes. movie is
0: set in the thirties, which was kind of known as the golden era of archeology span in Egypt. Cause that's when they found all the good shit.
1: Yes. I believe they found, you know, King Tut's tomb, like in the late twenties, all of that good stuff. Um, Brendan Fraser, Rick O'Connell is in the French foreign legion. Yeah. Just adventure. Treasure hunter. Treasure hunter. Yeah. And um, he gets captured at the beginning of the movie, and uh, Evelyn has a brother. And her brother is played by Scottish actor John Hannah, who you may remember from Four Weddings and a Funeral. And
0: Sliding Doors. And Sliding Doors. My favorite John Hannah role. Yes, where we are
1: to believe that he is uh, the male heterosexual love interest <laughs> of one Gwyneth Paltrow.
0: Um, I mean, we like to think it's canon that Jonathan's character is gay.
1: Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty clear to me.
0: It's definitely like the sissy type in old Hollywood movies.
1: Yes. He's kind of, uh, he's like cowardly. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick O'Connell is this very manly, very butch. You know, he's like jumps into a fight head first. You know, doesn't Jonathan care. Jonathan likes
0: shit that's shiny too. Yes. He likes treasure.
1: He does. He loves treasure. Um, he's a little fussy. Uh, and um, he's very thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's the brother. Uh, and he is an Egyptologist, but he's lazy. Yeah. You know, he just wants the treasure. He's not in it for the exploration or the, you know, uh, education of it. He just wants the treasure. And that's, that's what his sister is for. Yes. And that's kind of what starts off. Um, the movie because he he ultimately brings to Evie this piece that he, he says he finds on a dig but we
0: later find out that he steals it? He stole it? Yeah he got it off of Brendan Fraser somehow Yeah Why did you get this? <laughs> on a dig down in uh, Thebes My whole life I've never found anything Evie. Please tell me I found something Jonathan? Yes? I think you found something.
1: And it's this cool little, like, box that Evie looks at. And Jonathan's had it with him for who knows how long. But Evie looks at it and immediately she's just like, oh. And she does this thing and it pops open. Mm -hmm. And inside of it is this 3,000-year-old treasure map to this mythical... I think in in the universe of the movie... This city of Hamunaptra, the, the city of Hamanatra? Yes, I think we're to believe that it's kind of like an an Egyptian Atlantis
0: or it's sort of like, isn't it the Valley of the Kings is where they found a lot of the pharaohs and stuff. Yeah, but that's a real place. But they're
1: saying, yeah. I, I think in the in the universe of the movie, it's like
0: uh, El Dorado, like, sure. uh,
1: a city of gold mm-hmm. that treasure hunters are looking for. But nobody really believes it's real. But people look for it anyway.
0: It's like the mythical version of the Valley of the Kings that all Egyptologists and adventurers waste their whole life trying to find. Yeah. Yes. Um, So
1: we find a map, you know, that's going to lead us there. And the kind of like patron of this library that Evie works at, he's just like – and you know this actor. He's been in a million things. Um when you see him you're like oh that guy uh he's just like no like that's not real like accidentally fake. accidentally lights the map on fire or is it an accident oh yeah because we find out later he knows what's going on so it may not have even been an accident he sets the sets the map on fire they lose the portion of the map that shows where the the lost city is and that was just fuck so Jonathan's like well I actually really didn't get it on a dig uh, I got off this guy, and he's in this jail. And he, you know, maybe we'll find out some more information from him. So they go, and it's Brendan Fraser, and he's been in this prison in Egypt
0: for three years. That's crazy. Yeah, I always forget about that. Off, <laughs> like he's just, just been he's just been sitting in a jail cell for three like years. Ca-
1: there's just like a super on the screen. It's all three years later, and you're like, "Fuck!" He's just been captured the entire time. So that's where they uh, encounter. Brendan Fraser, Rick, and he's about to be hanged.
0: And... I love the back and forth that Evie and...
1: Like the jailer?
0: That other jailer are having when they're trying to kind of settle on an agreement to break him out.
1: Yes. The jailer character is another one of those actors that you're like, oh, that guy. Um, And yeah, he's like played for comic relief. Uh, Evie makes a deal with him so that they can break... Uh, Rick, out of like being hanged, and uh, here we are.
0: He knows the location to have an afternoon. You lie! I oh, would never. Are you telling me this
1: filthy, godless son of a pig knows mm-hmm. 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 where to find the city of the dead? Yes, truly, yes.
0: And if you cross him, down we will give you ten percent, fifty percent, twenty, 40. thirty. Ah! Deal. Ah! Cut down! So, when they were making this scene, I read that they got the wide shot with the stunt double on the noose. What, the you, wide shot.
1: Uh, wait. So, you, backtrack.
0: Oh, I was going to say, He's, Brendan Fraser is being hung. Yes. And they got the wide shot with the stunt double. And when they were getting Brendan's close-ups, uh, the rope on his neck was tied too tight and Brendan passed out and almost died. Yes, indeed. And everyone on set just thought that he was just acting. <laughs> and he was really not uh being asphyxiated. And yeah, he like blacked out and almost died.
1: Yeah, tales from the set, you know, uh it looks like a dangerous stunt. When you mm-hmm. watch it in the movie, you're just like how the fuck did they do that?
0: <laughs> Yeah, those were all of the all of the close-ups on him. Yeah.
1: Um, cause it goes from a, a wide and the camera zooms into his face. So yeah, there's a lot going on in there, but yeah, he's like being hung. And then they do this like Looney Tunes back and forth, you know, duck season, rabbit season. And finally the jailer says, okay, you know, I'll let him go, but you have to take me with you. And he gets cut. So they're off to Hamanoptra to, you know, find the city. But meanwhile, uh, Rick sees that an old, like, not buddy, but like some guy that he worked with in the Foreign Legion is there. And he's got another crew of dudes that he's taken to the City of the Dead at the exact same time on the exact same Nile Riverboat. The three American hunks. And we kept referring to these three American hunks that are in this movie. These
0: are some like men.com... They're beefcakes. They're beef cakes. all three of them mm-hmm. are beefcakes. And the thing is,
1: so the idea is that you know Evie and Jonathan and Rick are this like our ragtag heroes. They're two nerdy Brits, and you know Rick is like the one like hunky like American guy, a, re- a real misfit gang adventurer. We got here. Yeah, they're a little motley crew. But then you know we've got these th- three. Americans that are also in Egypt to go on this thing and they've each have a little archetype like there's like the blonde like cowboy guy there's like the dark haired guy who um shoots two guns each each hand has a gun and he shoots two guns at the same time yeah and then there's the nerdy one with the glasses
0: (laughs) but like they're all like hunky buff dudes yeah Mr. Daniels Mr. Burns and Mr. Henderson
1: yeah and Mr. Burns is the nerdy guy, and he wears glasses, and he drops his glasses at one point. He's like, I can't. Like, very Velma. I like, can't find my glasses. I can't find my glasses. But, like, he's so buff. Yeah. <laughs> they just look like they're so buff, and they're so hunky, and they're, like, very good-looking men, They but they just look like they got three stuntmen mm-hmm. to, like, play these
0: characters. These characters are very Dracula, too, because there's sort oh, of— Oh, for sure. There's types like, the, like these three guys— in, in, Bram, Stoker's in Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah,
1: indeed. They feel like they're they're just the types taken right cuz there's like the Texan, you know, played by uh Billy Campbell, Billy Campbell, yep. You know, and then there's the Cary Elwes character and the, you know, like the fancy man. Mhm. Yeah, they very much play off of that kind of vibe. Um and yeah, so we're and I remember the three Hunky Americans being in it, and I remember them kind of feeling like stunt guys, but watching it last night I was just like, oh my God, these guys are heavily featured in this movie for
0: Yeah, fact. they're in a good quarter of the movie. They're
1: always together, the three of them and they're just like so buff and handsome and they do really feel like yeah, they really feel like they're right
0: out of like an erotic like magazine. <laughs> Oh, the poor nerdy guy gets his eyeballs ripped out and his tongue.
1: Yeah, so scary. Mm-hmm. The mummy fully rips out his eyeballs and his tongue and leaves him alive. Ugh, awful. But hey, they pillaged his they pillaged his, you know, sarcophagus and mm-hmm. took his I don't know, booty.
0: And that's what I think the movie also really gets right about the property of the mummy is that kind of one of the great things about the backstory of the mummy is that the backstory of the mummy is, is this tragic love story. It's this sort of love never dies theme to this character of, um, what's the mummy's name? Imhotep? Imhotep. And Imhotep. And Imhotep. Imhotep. So it's like, it's this very tragic backstory Yes. That I think really fits the material, and that was one of the things that I think the Tom Cruise movie was missing: is yeah. that it really doesn't give a shit about any of that. Yeah, and I think that Stephen Summers really understands that this is really the core of this property.
1: Yes, um, yeah, I think we kind of skipped over the the prologue at the beginning that starts in ancient Egypt. Imhotep is uh, a high priest of the Pharaoh, and he's having a Fair with the pharaoh's wife or lover or whoever, and uh, her name is Moon, and she's played by Patricia Velasquez, who's a supermodel in the '90s and she's from South America. She's very beautiful, Peruvian. She's from Peru, mm-hmm. and um, she's very beautiful. And uh, she doesn't have the biggest role in this movie, but she's very good in it. Yes, definitely. Um, she. First of all, they hired, like, some Egyptologists to come in and, like, because ancient Egyptian is a dead language. People do not speak ancient Egyptian, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Egyptologists can translate it. Um, But what they did was they wrote it out phonetically so that these people could speak it aloud in the movie as close to what they imagined it sounded like.
0: Which is pretty cool. 5,000 years ago. <laughs> Which is pretty cool that they put that amount of work into this major studio movie. Yes. That there was actually, like, thought put into any of that.
1: Yes. Um, because, again, uh, you know, modern Egyptian is not anywhere near what ancient Egyptian sounded like. You know, the um, the dynasties of ancient Egypt were around, I mean, okay, so the whole, like... Weird uh, timeline thing that like time like blows your mind. Like, um, okay, so Cleopatra, right? Cleopatra is closer in time to like Jesus, right? And that's closer in time to us than Cleopatra as a pharaoh. Was to the building of the pyramids. Wow. Like by the time Cleopatra had became the Pharaoh of Egypt, she was one of the last dynasties. The, pharaoh, the uh, pyramids, the great pyramids had been up for thousands of years already.
0: If you want to, l- listeners, if you want to listen to a really great podcast episode of Egypt and everything Egyptology and their amazing civilization, check out Ashley Cassidy and Lauren's uh Ogles episode of Egypt on Keep It Weird. It's really really interesting. And they talk about all of that too. Yeah. And just how advanced their society was. Yeah, we don't even know like mm-hmm. if they had like electricity. They very well could have. They don't even know if slaves technically built the pyramids. Yeah, that's yep.
1: that's very contentious right now as it's you know to whether or not the Hebrews like actually built those. And they
0: mention on their show that it's speculated that the pyramids had solar panels. Had solar panels on them too. Yes. Um, so yeah. So the you know the the
1: civilization of ancient Egypt had been around for thousands of years, and that was thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, Patricia Velasquez, whose first language is Spanish, mm-hmm. is doing an American movie in English, but she is speaking ancient Egyptian in the movie. And it, like, rolls off her tongue. Yeah, she she (laughs) does it pretty naturally. Yeah. And she's got these scenes where, you know, she's being captured by, like, the Pharaoh's guards. And she's, like, murdering the Pharaoh and then, like... These scenes are crazy. Like, all this stuff is going on and, like, very dramatic and all this. And she is, like, spitting out this dialogue like nobody's business wearing and this, murdering wearing it.
0: Wearing this gorgeous body paint. And wearing nothing but body paint and pasties. Gr- My favorite scene of the movie is when the pharaoh looks at her shoulder and he sees that some of the paint's been smudged. So she's yes. been touched. Yes. So he knows.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very cool scene at the ve- at the very beginning of the movie. Um, and that is why Imhotep gets captured by the Pharaoh's guards and, uh, a curse gets put upon him and he, and he gets mummified and killed and, uh, buried in Hamidoptera underneath a statue of Anubis. And when they, the curse is that anybody who releases him, you know, you'll release the 10 plagues of Egypt Upon the world and the curse of the mummy, and the mummy will come to life and kill everybody who, you know, releases him. Naturally. And, and his whole thing is because his girlfriend's Anxuna Moon was killed as well, he's going to find her mummified body and resurrect her as well. And that's what he's trying to do. Um, and it's a whole thing where he sees Evie and he feels like Evie is you know, Ankh and a moon like reincarnated and that and all harkens back to the stuff. original movie too.
0: Yes, indeed. That, I think that whole little subplot existed in the movie. Yes.
1: And is, this all feels very Bram Stoker's Dracula yeah. as well, because he sees some woman in modern times who reminds him of his ancient girlfriend or whatever. Um, and yeah, and Arnold Vosloo who plays the mummy is also this very handsome man. And he actually, He's- for a movie made in the nineties, is, you know... Safra Khan. He's
0: from South... he from South Africa? He's from Africa. Okay.
1: So, yeah. So, it's not like they got a bunch of, like, white people to play. These yeah, that's what I was going to say. Africa.
0: Especially, like, now in 2020, like, we're so, like, the woke police that we always kind of... Yeah. We call out, like, uh, white casting in roles like this, uh, yeah. Exodus Gods and Kings kind of ran into problems like that yeah. with Joel Edgerton being cast in Egyptian. But, I mean, I think that Stephen Summers probably likes to pride himself that he did try to go out of his way to cast people that look like they were from ancient Egypt.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, they're not all, you know, Egyptian people it, by any means. It's but- not...
0: Like they're casting like Kate Hudson yes. as a Nox and a Moon and just putting on some bronzer on her. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. And the other thing is too that they always say is we don't know what Egyptian people look like.
0: This is This is we true. We don't know if yep. they
1: were just black Africans because Egypt is in the very, very north of Africa. So we don't know what they look like. They, the hieroglyphics all look crazy. They all look different. Some people are like yellow and some people look like wolves and eagles. So <laughs> we don't know. But this movie I feel like does a pretty good job, especially for the time frame. This movie has not been canceled and I can't imagine that it would be for any reason. Because, um, yeah, they did a really good job with the casting.
0: Rachel Weiss plays half Egyptian because it, mm. it, it mentions yeah. that her, her mother is Egyptian, but it doesn't really linger on it, though. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah.
1: That's Yeah, that's the only thing, but you know, whatever. Uh, Maybe John Hannah's her half-brother, because he is 100% English. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, So that's the whole reason that the mummy's curse is put there. Great backstory. Yeah, really fun backstory. So the whole time, the hunky Americans and our ragtag crew of like Brits and and Brendan Fraser are on this hunt to get to Hamunaptra, and they're like chasing each other, and like, everybody's gotta get there first, but much like Raider of the Lost Ark, they're digging in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Um, and Evelyn knows where to really dig because she can read, you know. Because she's, she's the brains of the operation. She hieroglyphics better. And they're using all of the, like, ancient ruins to help them. You know, they're using all the, like, mirrors to, like, light their way and all this stuff. And, and um, they're using what's there. To like mm-hmm. to get to the mummy's tomb or whatever, I don't think they're actually looking to like unleash the mummy or anything they're they just want to find the city of the dead to see what's there you know she's just doing it academically. Mm-hmm. The other guys are treasure hunters um but her brother is a treasure hunter as well, but you know the um the hunky Americans all make their way there, and their team is led by. Uh the squirrely guy that used to work with Rick, but it's also led by Jumanji's dad.
0: And also Cal's um Cal's uh right hand man in Titanic. No. Oh no 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 Jumanji's no, dad. No, this is Jumanji's dad. no, he plays in Titanic. He's Bruce Ismay. Ismay. Yes. Who is this Freud? Is he a passenger? <laughs> yes. Excuse me. This I was I was actor... confusing him with David Warner. Yes,
1: you're confusing him with David Warner. This is Jonathan Hyde. You may confuse him with David Warner, but they both play prissy, pissed off Englishmen. That probably happens a lot in their that career. Probably happens a lot. Don't make that mistake. Uh, Jonathan Hyde also in Titanic, uh, but he played Bruce Ismay, the the cowardly, sniveling. You know, mm-hmm. uh, who was he like? The financier behind the Titanic.
0: He did press for the Titanic, I think. Press for them or yeah. something. Yeah. You <laughs> might you might have your your front page headlines Mr. Ismay. Mm-hmm. And he jumps on the
1: he jumps on the lifeboat. Mhm. And he's just sitting there like not saying anything. Oh my god. We need to do a Titanic as a, episode. As a lifeboat's being lowered. I fucking Ugh, love Titanic. Bruce Ismay. Was he disgraced in real
0: life? I think he was. Hmm. I mean, I think that e- essentially in well, I think that essentially any man that ended up on a lifeboat on the Titanic ended up probably regretting it for the rest of their life. Oh, that sucks. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's women and children first, not women and children
0: only. Mm
1: I'll save some of the men. Yeah. But you know, Bruce Ismay was a piece of shit. He, they play, they portrayed him as a piece of shit in the movie, at least if, if, if we're to believe that in this movie, he's playing kind of like, uh, one of the head guys that's on the Americans team looking for, you know this book of
0: the dead. I think he's kind of like Evie in their crew. He's academic, so I think that he is pursuing the treasure for academic purposes. I also, think also. he's
1: playing this character very prissy, very mm-hmm. gay. Yeah, don't you think he's playing very? Like, yeah. If this was an old like '30s movie, he definitely would have been played by some like some like Nelly. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, well,
0: he knows not to read. He knows not to read from the book. This is true. When they do find it.
1: True, but yeah, he uh, uh, he was, he was Bruce's in Titanic. You also remember him as he was Jumanji's dad, who would play the dual role of Jumanji's dad and their Peter
0: Pan casting. Yes,
1: and who was who was the, the character? He was just the hunter. The hunter did not yeah. have a name. I he uh, he may have a name. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that and Jumanji, and uh, yes, it's Jonathan Hyde in this movie. So he and he's kind of leading the Americans, and yeah, he's got a he's got a. Like an academic approach, but also he's not afraid to sacrifice those slaves. True. To the booby traps. Because mm-hmm. he knows who the booby traps are. Because the Americans are like, fuck it, we're here, let's open it up. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. Don't open it. Let these idiots open it. The slaves go and open the tomb and pressurized salt acid. Hits them in the face and they all like melt and they're like ah they're like their faces are melting off.
0: Three thousand year old booby trap. I mean those Egyptians knew how to build shit to last though. Yeah. I don't put it past him. <laughs>
1: yeah, so he's like he's kind of has like a dual thing going on. Like he 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 wears a cute little fez. He's got a fez, indeed. Yeah, there's a lot of fezes in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think he's another, like, gay coded character, like, like, uh, like Jonathan. He definitely bats for our team. <laughs> yeah, there's a really fun scene, uh, in this movie where they're on this river boat going down the Nile, assuming to, um, to to where they need to go and there's like all this shit happens on the boat the boat ends up sinking everybody jumps off the boat we
0: get introduced to Benny yes on the boat Benny is like the the
1: sniveling guy that's Mm -hmm. like that's Rick's old
0: he later becomes the mummy's little right hand man yes
1: um but everybody jumps in the water because the boat is on fire and John uh Rick throws Evie in the water in a white nightgown Mm -hmm. and in the director's commentary, Steven Summers mentions that they had to digitally paint her nightgown sure more white because you could probably see because her could see those titties. yeah because she came came right out of the water and that's a very early like digital manipulation of like yeah. clothing on a character put in post you know um, so that was very interesting but the cool scene is the next day all her clothes. Got lost or ruined in the river and the fire. And so she has nothing but her nightgown. So the next day, Evie comes out of like this hut with like all these Egyptian women and she's in full like Egyptian lady garb. Looking gorge. Yes. And she's got like the veil. She's got the veil like covering half her face and just her eyes are showing and she's got like the eyeliner, you know. Looking pretty fierce. She's very like, she's very like Princess Jasmine, like very like, uh, like like thief in the cobbler you know mm-hmm. like just very like uh Egyptian what's Barbie. what's that
0: really famous technicolor movie with the genie
1: oh yeah the 40 thieves or whatever i'll think of it yeah um yeah
0: so that seems really cool because
1: there's a really fun shot if she's like the like the women like the old like biddies like part and she like comes out mm-hmm. of like from all the old from behind all the old biddies and then it comes like to this close up, gorge, yeah, of just these like these Rachel Weiss eyes with like this heavy eyeliner because it's very like, very like Middle Eastern and like Egyptian and like you know with the with the veil and all that. She looks really cool. Um, so yeah, she's got she's got a lot of looks, and and then they get on these camels and. Love the camel scenes. Yeah, the camel scenes are really cute. And she rides a camel side saddle because it's the twenties. She's a lady. And she's a lady. And she's wearing these boots and they're like knee-high boots. And you kind of see like her skirts coming up and you see the boots like in yeah. knee high boots. Really cute. Like the way the outfits like on her, like on the on the camel. I love that. I love that little bit of like Evie's wardrobe. And she just ends up wearing this like black dress. It's very like um it's very like Princess Leia slash Princess Vespa. Like it starts off one way, and then by the end of the movie, it's like l- like little bits of it keep coming off.
0: I mean, it's pretty much what happens to Marion Ravenwood when she gets that dress—the white in dress, Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark—except
1: yeah. it's the black dress. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, very much, very much that.
0: It's like this movie knows when to pick and choose, kind of when to when to be campy, when to be sincere, when to be yeah. self-aware. Yeah. like It's playing all of these cards in this movie. And what's also kind of cool about this movie, I feel like we've seen so many Pirates of the Caribbean movies yeah. where there's so many set pieces, yeah. and at the end of the movie, you really can't explain what happened. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot going on in this movie, but it all builds to something, though. Like, it all works together.
1: Yes. For sure i yeah, I think uh the pirate movies kind of owe a lot to this franchise mm-hmm. as far as like yep. the big two hour plus epic adventure, yeah, you know, and the characters that don't take themselves too seriously, but yeah, yeah, the tone, the shifting of the tone and all of that very it much it knows so. when it knows when it's to
0: be funny, it knows yeah. when's to be it knows when to be yeah. scary,
1: yeah, yeah, I think the Transformers also. Yeah. I mean, The Mummy kind
0: of started, started like, the trend of all of that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think it started these action movies of a certain length. Because I feel like before that, action movies may not have broken two hours. I feel yeah. like, you know, the two movies that were that long were, like... Sweeping period epics, you know, English patient, you know, (laughs) know. kind of movies. And then, like,
0: cut to Transformers, like, the third one, which is almost three hours long. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're like, why does this movie need to be this long? (laughs) Yeah, I think this movie did kind of set the stage for all of that. Oh, Thief of
0: Baghdad. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah,
1: for sure. Thief of Baghdad. Um, Evie has some fun speeches. Uh, I really
0: love the scene where she's getting drunk. Yes. And you get some of the romantic tension... Between her and, and between Rick. ...between her and Rick. You're wondering... what is a place like me doing... in a girl like this? Yeah, something like that. Oh, Egypt is in my blood. You see, my, my father was a very, very famous explorer. And he loved Egypt so much... He married my mother, who was an Egyptian and quite an adventurer herself. Mm. Mm. I get your father and I get your mother, and um, I
1: get him. But what are you doing here?
0: Oh, look! I I may not be an explorer, or, or an adventurer, or a treasure seeker, or a gunfighter mr o'connell but i am proud of what i am and what is that i am a librarian work bitch very good piece of writing it's also like we're gonna set up our main character this is what she's doing in the story yeah these are the motivations and boom
1: you know what I get from this movie a lot, too? I get a lot of uh, Disney's Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Sure, I could see that. Yeah, I get a lot of that
0: from this movie. Um,
1: same time frame, right? It was
0: Atlantis, Atlantis right? I believe, was 2000. 2000 or 2001. Yeah, I think probably a 2000-made Disney movie, and it came out in 2001.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all that time period of it, of adventure movies and all that.
0: A okay, little bit I of Stargate know. there if you're going to throw in like a sci-fi element. Yes. yes, indeed. Oh, Stargate. Pete and I love Stargate. I love Stargate.
1: It's got Kurt Russell with a, mm-hmm. in a flat top. Yep. <laughs> He's got a flat top. He's mm-hmm. hilarious. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> has a lot of good um, Egypt scenes in that fierce uh, crime game. Yeah, it's got Jay Davidson. Jay Davidson. Yep. He's, like, the head bitch, like,
1: Egypt alien mm-hmm. from the future. <laughs> Check out Stargate, y'all. I mean, if you haven't already. Not the TV. Well, the TV show's fine. But, I mean, the movie where I came from, the very first Stargate, which also, uh, speaking of Atlantis, you know the the whole thing that Disney's Atlantis is, like, a ripoff of Stargate.
0: I mean, it pretty much hits all the main it's like story, the story beats of Stargate. <laughs> it's like the same story. Yeah.
1: But that's for that's for another podcast <laughs> yeah, that's for another episode. We'll post about the 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 theory behind that but um, yeah, so uh Evie's a librarian, they unleash the mummy hmm The Americans unleash the mummy and he goes after all of them, picking them off one by one.
0: Well, Evie reads from the Book of the Dead because she pries it from dr uh or uh, Ismay. mr. Ismay's. <laughs> uh sleeping she, hands sleeping hands, and she reads out of the book and it awakens the mummy yes, um
1: there's this like I love movies that have just like these old books that have crazy magical powers that can like if you read something aloud out of it,
0: very hocus pocus, yeah, the evil dead, yeah, cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. all of that
1: um. Even uh, witches of Eastwick. We were talking mm-hmm. about grim, We grim, were, we're just talking about that on our last episode. Grimoire, you know. So there's this. There's there's two books in this. There's the Book of the Dead, and there's the Book of the Living. And Evie read from the Book of the Dead, and it brought the mummy back to life. And later on in the movie, we've got to read from the Book of the Living to break the mummy's curse and make him mortal again, or some.
0: Something crazy. But... um, Some cool effects work when the mummy is awakened that he's just this walking mummy corpse. Because, I mean, when you think about it, audiences would have just been familiar with uh, a body walking around in shrouds that it was kind of... Just wrapped in bandages. It was kind of a cool take on the mummy to see this half-decomposing body walking around. And when he... Uh, kind of finds someone to suck the life out of, a little bit of them comes back.
1: Yes. Um, There are four. There's the three Americans and Jonathan Hyde, Mr. Ismay. Each of them took a canopic jar from his tomb, and each of them holds one of these jars. And every time he goes to get one of the jars back, he kills one of them, and he sucks the life out of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And he just leaves this, like, rotted, desiccated, like, husk behind. And after he does that, he becomes more and more human-looking mm-hmm. from this, like, rotted mummy corpse. But, yeah, he's not just, like, walking around wrapped in bandages. Yeah. He's, like, all decomposed and gross and, like, falling apart. Which is, yeah, it was really cool. And the effect is really cool, too. Because you can, like, see through him. You can see through, like, th- like holes in him and stuff. It's really interesting how they did
0: mm-hmm. it. And it holds up, and maybe that's kind of why a movie like this had to wait until the late '90s to be made. Yeah, because maybe they just couldn't get any of those effects right. Oh, and no all way. of the the Clive Barker versions. Well, no I mean, way. the Clive Barker one probably just would have been makeup. But I mean, yeah, it maybe, been a guy in maybe advantages. that's just kind of why they couldn't make those movies is that it was a budget issue. And when they got to the late '90s with industrial light and magic, they could feasibly do this in a movie now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because any five years before this, it would have been somebody wrapped in bandages. Mm-hmm. It would have been a really tall, really skinny guy, you know, like, uh, like, uh, Return of the Living Dead, the, like oil can monster <laughs> guy, you know, just like that, kind of like just a really skinny, gangly guy, you know, puppet work, puppetry, which is cool. You know, Return of the Living Dead has some really great effects in it, but, um, there's some really cool uh, digital work in this with the with the like walking mummy corpse.
0: And- the mummy definitely has. Who's the actor that plays the mummy? Arnold Vosloo. Arnold Vosloo definitely has some. I have in my notes David Copperfield Vegas acting. He does. He's mm-hmm. got very David Copperfield acting in this movie. He's very like
1: flourishes, arm flourishes.
0: I love the mask that he wears when he's in Cairo. Yes, I think it's cool. Yes,
1: because his face is still like all gross. And like falling apart. So he wears a mask because that's not inconspicuous either,
0: but definitely look like he's on his way to do his magic act on the strip <laughs> in Vegas.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's some interesting stuff because, you know, I mean, it's a mummy and he's a monster, but he roars. Yeah. But then Brendan Fraser roars back, you know, so I love the like-
0: scene where he scares the mummy with the cat. Yes.
1: Yes. Because the cats are the protectors of the underworld. Mm -hmm. So he's afraid of cats.
0: I mean, we have some protectors of the underworld roaming around our apartment right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I hear people running around downstairs at 2 o'clock in the morning. Could be the downstairs neighbors. Could be a mummy. I don't know. Could be a mummy. But they're not running around up here. We've got these three idiots watching over us, Mm -hmm. puking on them. Oh you oh you want to get in this house? I throw up on you. That's all they would Is do. Is
0: there nothing more badass looking than Anubis? <laughs> Just the those ancient the Egypt jackals. jackals or statues. I think yeah. they look so rad. Yeah. Very cool. They're creepy, they're scary, they're beautiful.
1: Yes. Those indeed. ancient
0: Egyptians really knew theatricality man.
1: Yes. Uh some of the Anubis creatures in The Mummy Returns are a little questionable. Oh, that's right. There is like a full like There's Anubis an army.
0: CGI army in that movie. Yeah. We haven't really discussed The Mummy Returns, which we have like, we have a love for. Yeah. We'll sometimes just put it on. We usually don't make it all the way through the movie. No. That one is a little bit more labored. That one's crazy.
1: Yeah. That one gets a little bit nuts. Uh, Steven Summers, I feel like his movies just got more and more off the rails as time went on. There's Do you know what I think
0: the series on. should have done as a follow-up? What's that? I think they should have followed it up with a vampire story. Sure, like like we've already done ancient Egypt. Now they need to go to like Transylvania.
1: Well, he did Van Helsing. But I mean, I feel like the <laughs> logical Evie, Evie and, and
0: Rick progression should have been they go to Transylvania and that's where they meet. Van Helsing. Sure.
1: That would have been fun. Mm-hmm.
0: But then, like, we wouldn't have gotten Patricia Vasquez back. So <laughs> I guess you kind of have to do the mummy returns. Yes. She does come back in the sequel, and she has a much
1: bigger role, and she's a very bitchy, like, villainess. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's pretty cool that Stephen Summers is just the type of director that he really saw that she was giving 110%. So he's yeah. like, well, I'm just going to write you... A big role in the sequel. Yes. Like, I'm yeah. going to do you a solid, and we're going to have you back.
1: Yeah, and he did, and she came back, and she was amazing in it. She was, like, a real, like, shining point in the in the sequel.
0: And there's a lot of actors that return in Stephen Sommers' movies. I want to say that um, ben, Benny, I think that he's also in other Stephen Sommers' movies, mm. too. He might be in Deep Rising. I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember any
1: of Deep Rising.
0: Yeah. St- Stephen Sommers did Deep Rising the year before this.
1: What's that one about?
0: That's the one set on uh, a ghost ship, and there's a sea monster oh, geez. on it. <laughs> okay. Do you know who loves Deep Rising? It's okay. Ashley Cassidy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think that I am super familiar with that one. I'll have to look it up. It Tom Sizemore? Oh, jeez. In Deep Rising? I can't wow. remember. Wow. That's awesome. Um. When Arnold Vosloo, as the mummy, f- comes back to his human form, he is mostly walking around in tattered rags and um, shirtless.
0: Treat Williams. Oh, Treat Williams. That's who it is. Indeed, not Williams. Tom Sizemore.
1: Okay, can see how you get the, mm-hmm. <laughs> that distinction. Um, yeah, Arnold Vosloo is walking around. It's his like the tattered rags are kind of like fashioned into like almost like a loincloth situation. Mm-hmm. Um, shirtless most of the time, you know, there's scenes where he like rises up like the sands of the, of the, of the Egyptian desert to like trap, you know, our heroes in a sandstorm.
0: That's where we get the image from the poster.
1: Yes, that mm-hmm. is where we get the image of the poster. His like, his face is like coming through the sandstorm. Oh, but this is where they meet someone else from Titanic. Oh yeah. This is where they meet this old, like. I mean, I don't even know he wouldn't be like a World War One pilot because it's the twenties and this man's like in his sixties or seventies, so he couldn't have flown in World War
0: One. I. I mean, because it was like two years. Ago is he prior. from like? Is he from like the British <laughs> Legion from India or something? Yeah, who knows? But um, let's
1: see. I'm gonna find out this actor's name and who he was in the Titanic. Um, because he plays this really fun character in this movie there 's really cool visuals with this with this character, yeah, they go and they meet him in
0: the desert and don't they meet him in a bar? Well, first they meet him in a bar. Yeah. And he's getting there drinking, remembering the old days. Mm-hmm. And he he feels, like, disappointed that he didn't get to go down in glory like all of his friends. Yes. And, like, die for fighting his country. Yes, for sure. And now he's just, like, sitting in this bar in Cairo, getting drunk.
1: Yes. Uh, his name is... Uh, they call him Winston. And, um... When they do go out and meet him... Uh, to find his plane, it's in the desert. And it's very like Jungle Cruise because mm-hmm. it's like it's in the middle of the desert yeah. and there's just like a record playing with like this yep. old timey music in the background. And he's sitting under this giant umbrella in the desert. And the shot is crazy. It's like yeah. out of another movie. I mean, this is some like English patient shit, yes, too. Yes, it's very English patient, this shot. So, this actor's name is Bernard Fox or Bernard Fox. You will remember him from Titanic. He played Colonel Archibald Gracie.
0: And famously said, like what I always say, women and machinery don't mix.
1: Yes. Uh, and if you can't picture him, he's a, like a portly old British man with a mustache. And, um, and gray hair. And what I remember him from that is crazy is I remember him when I was a kid, my sister and I would watch Bewitched. And this was uh, – I was so young that I didn't realize that Bewitched was an old show from the 60s. Sure. I just thought it was like this new show that I'm watching about a witch lady who lives with her husband. Who is your favorite Darren. Um, my favorite Darren, I would have to say is, uh, I think it's the first one like the skinnier one. I don't know which dick it is, Sergeant or York. I'll have to look that up. But on Bewitched, uh, Bernard Fox played Dr. Bombay and Dr. Bombay was a, uh, a witch Uh, Or a warlock, I guess. They were called warlocks on Bewitched, the male witches. He was a warlock, and he he was a doctor, and he knew, like, witch medicine. And when Samantha needed him for, like, witchy stuff, she would say, uh, Dr. Bombay, Dr. Bombay, emergency, come right away. And then he would apparate into the house, because they would, like, disapparate on Bewitched, and just, like, boop. And like pop into the house, and he would pop in the house. And I remember seeing him in Titanic and being like, Holy shit, that's Dr. Bombay! And he looks like not a fucking day has
0: passed. Sure, still looks the same.
1: Crazy from like the 60s because Bewitch is from the freaking 60s. First season, Bewitch was black and white, which blew my mind as a kid
0: mm-hmm. because
1: I thought this was a brand new television show. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've told the story on this show or not, but I remember because I thought Bewitch was new. And first run as a child, because I was a stupid kid, um, I remember seeing, um, like, The Inquirer or something, the grocery store, and Elizabeth Montgomery was on it, on the cover. And I was like, Mom.
0: That's what, Elizabeth. What that's to, Samantha from Bewitched. What happened
1: to Samantha Stevens? And my mom was like, what do you mean? I was like, she looks so old. And my mom's like, well, that's what she looks like. <laughs> And I was like, but Bewitch. And she's like, Bewitch was from from I was a kid. I was like, oh. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, that's cute. Never mind. It was like before Nick and Night. I just watched it on like KTLA or something. But yeah, um, we get uh Winston who like flies them into battle and they fly into this sandstorm that like that like emotep like causes with his like mummy breath. And Winston does get his
0: his like crash it's into a, the desert it's a very bittersweet ending it cause, is because yeah, like he like goes up to him and i want to say that he almost has a smile on his face yeah like he got to go out in his shining glory yeah this is what he wanted piloting his yes piloting his plane this is what he wanted in, to, to into fly battle. into this like mummy yeah this mummy like desert storm <laughs> what a way to go yeah um yeah so that that scene kind
1: of comes in and like kinda comes and goes this character, but it's but it's a fun, memorable character when you see him. And he's a he's a fun actor and he he's like yeah, he's memorable. He's he's fun in Titanic, he's fun in this. He was fun on Bewitched. Good
0: old Bernard Fox.
1: He died in two thousand sixteen at the age of
0: eighty nine. I'm gonna pour out my uh my Bud Light Black Cherry seltzer for you. Bernard <laughs> when you look at You're Bernard You're a hell of a guy.
1: When you look at Bernard Fox's uh imdb he was in two episodes of passions and guess who he played on passions he played dr fucking bombay
0: i didn't know passions had like a bewitched crossover that's crazy <laughs> <laughs>
1: because there were witches on
0: passions yeah like yeah somehow same universe bewitched shares a passions universe that's yeah. crazy duh <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's fully credited as Dr. Bombay. Which there are characters names. There's a character named Tabitha. I wonder if it's like the actual like Tabitha Stevens. Like all grown up. That's funny. We'll do a passions episode. <laughs> we we probably know some people who know enough about passions. I
0: feel like our we guest know Mark Rosenberg probably does. We
1: know a couple of people who would know enough about passions. So um Emotep has EV. He's taking her back to back to Hamanoptra to like do this you know, ritual on her. He's gonna bring moon back from the dead and the guys got flown there by Winston and it's a race against you know the clock
0: to save her and just like craziness ensues. The set that they resurrect they try to resurrect Anoxoon a moon at is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Like that space yeah is that they set dressed is pretty cool looking
1: yeah there's there's a lot going on it's uh it's it's all supposed to be underground you know because I guess you know the city of the dead is like thousands and thousands of years ago, so it's all underground now, probably you know it just got buried by the sands of of egypt in time um but it's yeah it's all this underground set and it's like these tombs and catacombs and it's really crazy and there's a lot there's a lot going on in there but there's a really cool sequence where Brendan Frazier fights a bunch of mummies mm-hmm. and he's kicking and punching and shooting, shooting them, shooting and swords and all this stuff. But the thing is famously the way they shot this, he did it with stunt actors, but this was 99. So they couldn't really do it where they just painted them all out. Cause there was too much going on. So he did it with stunt actors to like get the blocking And then he did it all by himself. Yeah. With nobody there. And then they digitally inserted all the mummies. I mean, that's some
0: movie making shit right there.
1: And that's like Brendan Fraser's Mm -hmm. stunt performer extraordinaire. Yeah. You know, like hitting all these marks,
0: kicking, Mm -hmm. punching, nothing, you know? You had to block it a very particular way of how you're going to do it in post. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, like, not pulling his punches and not, like, just kicking straight, you know, following through and all that stuff. That shit is hard and technical and precise. And it looks re- – you would not know that he did that with Yeah, I don't
0: there. know if a scene like this had ever quite been shot and blocked like this. No. I mean, there was probably something. Well, that was their Jason and the Argonauts yeah. fighting the skeletons, mm-hmm.
1: you know, the stop-motion mm-hmm. skeletons. Yeah. That actor did the same thing. Yeah. You know, and they just added these stop motion So it kind of harkens
0: back to yeah. old school movie effects.
1: Yeah. That was their Ray Harryhausen scene, you know, of just an actor fighting nothing and then
0: putting in all the all the monsters in digitally. That's you know what's another thing that I was not into for the Tom Cruise Mummy is that when he has his final showdown with the mummy doesn't he almost have to have like magical didn't doesn't like t- Tom Cruise almost have like magical powers yeah, at the end of it. Yeah, he becomes magic at the or end. Which is <laughs> lame. Like I just want to see like see yeah. your hero just shoot the mummy with a gun or something.
1: <laughs> and a rapper like yeah. g-
0: grab grab a
1: grab a bandage and spin her around. Mhm. until it's just like chattering teeth
0: but just like another way that the weird 2017 one just like missed the mark completely yes and just felt like a completely different movie from what it was trying to be
1: yeah yeah and that actress who played the mummy I love her I
0: mean she was fierce yeah like I I really wanted to like that movie but I just couldn't
1: yeah and like I was
0: like intrigued with them doing this dark uh like what the fuck was it called? Like I think the it was Dark Universe. The Dark Universe. Movie. I kind of thought that was cool, yeah. But it just did not land at all. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Russell Crowe is terrible in that movie <laughs> as as Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Or just Doctor Jekyll. Doc- mm-hmm. is just Doctor Jekyll, or is he just Mister Hyde? I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> Do you remember where we saw that movie? We saw that at a press screening at City Walk at their IMAX. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I barely remember that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So, you know, it takes all three of them to to defeat the mummy, to defeat Imhotep. You know, Evie ends up having this, like, bitch fight with, like, the Anoxinamun, like, mummy. You know, Rick is fighting all the mum- all of Imhotep's, like, priest mummies that were I, buried yeah, along with I, him. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, I love that scene with the priest mummies coming out of the floor. That's cool. Yeah. That's a really cool effect.
1: Yeah. There's, there's a shot where they... Come out of, they almost come out of like the hieroglyphics in the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and jo- uh, Jonathan is reading from the Book of the Living to cancel the spell that Imhotep is like weaving and he's got to use like his smarts and he's like screaming at Evie. Like, I don't know what this, like what this one means. She's like, what does it look like? And he's like describing it to her. And she's like, Oh, it means this. And like, he says it and like all this stuff. And everybody's like yelling at each other from across the way and all this. And, um, they have to like all work together. Yeah. To like defeat, to defeat Imhotep. And, there's a really cute scene with the camels where Benny is stealing all this booty, mm-hmm. all this gold, and he throws all this gold on one of the camels and it, like, screams. Yeah. <laughs> the camels just look like jerks. Like, they look like big doofy animals, but they look like, oh, my God, I would not want to cross one of those it things. they would probably spit on you. <laughs> I would be very <laughs> apprehensive about working with camels. how does Benny get, get locked in? He's going in and out. Sure. He's going out to put gold like to on get the camels shit. to sure. leave and he goes back in and as they cancel out the curse the like the tombs that they're in start to like start close to collapse and they yeah. all like run out and he's like I don't know if it's a thing where he's like trying to get gold and he just kind of gets trapped in there and Rick tries to get him out he like reaches for him yeah. and everything even though like Benny's fully it's been like a dick the whole time but He's too far in, and he gets trapped inside. And that's the end of our buddy Benny. But um, but our heroes make it out,
0: mm-hmm. and they get all of Benny's gold. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, enough gold that they can buy themselves an English estate in the next movie.
1: In this, in Mummy Returns, they fully are living in, in like, like, Bunking, down, Downton like Abbey.
0: Buckingham Palace or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe they've had adventures in the past few years with their kid that I
1: think we're to believe that they've had more adventures in sure. between.
0: Cuz the kid is already like 10
1: at this point.
0: Yeah. So the Mummy returns. It's like just to say a few words about it. It's, <laughs> it's just a lot. it's a lot to take in. It's all over the place. It has a great bitch fight between Patricia Vasquez and Rachel Vice. Yes. That is really cool. That's the best scene of the whole movie. Yes. That is I
1: forget about that. But that is really fun. There's some like crazy martial arts in there. Yeah, and then it's like there's like a blimp at one point. There is. There's a blimp. There's a blimp race. Mm-hmm. There's
0: pygmy mummies. A very early movie appearance from The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, yes, is foray into acting. The Scorpion in King. that fucking terrible Scorpion King. Yeah, CGI abomination that comes out at the end. <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty gnarly have you ever seen the scorpion king just Just a standalone standalone movie movie? no and they made like two other ones oh they made several billy zane's in one of them they made several scorpion king movies yeah i missed that one yeah it's just like hashtag not my mummy yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i missed it i didn't see the standalone rock one and i didn't definitely not any of the sequels but i mean
0: yeah his little bit in this one is just kind of like why the third mummy movie with Jet Li is just weird. The Dragon Emperor. We've the got, Dragon Emperor. We've got Chinese mummies. Which I, I guess is kind of cool, but I don't know. It's just. At this point, we've replaced Rachel Weiss. Like, Rachel Weiss has fully won her supporting actress Oscar for The Constant Gardener this time, and she was yeah. probably looked at that script and was like, no, thank you. Well, they time jumped
1: the son from The Mummy Returns, who was like seven or eight. And now in Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, he's, like, 20. And he's, like, running, like, a Beijing nightclub in it. Yeah. So they time-jumped the kid. Very soap opera. Yeah. Because how much time had passed in between
0: the actual movies? So that movie came out in 08, like, five years? Yeah. (laughs) So the kid went from, like, 7 to 20 in five years. Yeah. And, like, go (laughs) figure that Maria Bello was waiting in the wings... To take the leftovers on that one. And they threw a chestnut wig on Maria Bello. What bizarre I mean nothing against Maria Bello. I think that she's great but in the history so of weird. violence but such bizarre casting. Yeah, Like they couldn't really get like another ingenue British. I mean it, it, it doesn't even have to be an ingenue. No, you could put point. like Elizabeth Hurley in that role <laughs> yeah. and I would have been all for it. Yeah.
1: Could have put Fomka Jensen in that
0: role. Fomka Jensen
1: would have been fierce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Very very interesting stuff going on in Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. We'll give it
0: we'll try to give it another chance. We
1: got the three pack Blu ray
0: pack, yep. You know, why not? Even though it's weird that our Blu-ray for the mummy, all the bonus features kind of suck on it. (laughs) Like they didn't transfer over the classic DVD stuff on it.
1: Because they were probably on a second disc on the special edition.
0: Possibly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Who knows? But um yeah, we got th- we got the 3-pack Blu-ray set because you get- we're completists. If anything, we're completists. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, we had to get the 3-pack. Just like we got mm-hmm. the 3-pack of the Matrix trilogy even though neither of us have watched Matrix Reloaded Ultimatum is What is the last and one called? I have
0: never have actually seen Revolutions. <laughs> oh, Revolution. I remember it got awful. I wish it was called The Matrix it Ultimatum. It got awful reviews when it came out and I hated Reloaded, so I didn't even bother. Sure.
1: Yeah. It's pretty much like an extended version of Reloaded.
0: Sure, it's just like a long. I mean, like, since the same thing. we're talking about the year nineteen ninety nine, The Matrix came out in spring, yes, and it this did. was an early summer movie. Yes, indeed, so opened in the same movie season. Yes, and I definitely saw The
1: Matrix in the yep. theater. I saw that several times. That The Matrix was a movie that, like, oh, it was an event. Everybody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. People were just like, what was your favorite fight scene? What was your favorite, like, what was your favorite this? What was your, like, every- people, you was just like, what was your favorite move?
0: What was your favorite, like, special effects? Like, what, like, I remember seeing, dissecting the it. Matrix at the drive-in with my dad and yeah. then going with my stepdad in the Judith theater when it was in the actual movie theater two yeah. days later. Nice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I remember blowing people's minds and just being like, "Oh, you like The Matrix? Let's watch the first ten minutes of this movie that I like to call Vertigo, and um, compare and contrast, shall we? Because both movies start off with the main characters or a main character being chased by police officers across rooftops. Sure. Oh, yeah. Totally in the dark.
0: Never thought of that actually. Yeah, and I'm sure that the Wachowskis like oh, yeah. had that in mind oh, when they were doing it. Oh yeah, they did. Also, fierce trans icon. Yeah, Lily and Lana. Lily, and I believe Lily out. is directing the fourth movie. I thought Lana was doing it. No, I think. Well, who's the first one that came out as trans? Isn't it Lily? No, Lana was first. Pink oh, hair. Oh, okay. Pink so is Lana? It was Lana. So I believe Lana is directing. Number four, which they had to put on pause because of COVID. They were mid-shooting it. So now that movie is coming out in 2022. Oh. Here, let me just fact check that. Matrix 4. It is being directed by Lana. Yeah, pink hair. Yep. I I, I know which one's which. I am excited for the new Matrix because I do think that it is going to be a wipe slate clean that reloaded in revolutions and never there's a existed lot of
1: mystery about mm-hmm. about it there's a lot of mystery about who keanu's playing and about neo and like is he gonna be neo what version of neo sure. like all this stuff so i it's
0: bringing me back so i'm speculating that he took the other pill in this new movie and yes. it's an alternate timeline sure of like he takes the did he take the the, he would take the blue pill. Then. I don't remember which. Well, is which. he would take yeah. the the pill that he just goes on living in the matrix. The yeah. but it's kind of faded that uh, Neo's path is going to be that. Yeah, and like twenty years later, he just has to he has to save the world again.
1: Well, I I mean I don't know because then they'd have to pull his body out of the matrix and he's all fifty. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> They'll one, work it out. They'll work it out. It's one thing to pull your body out of the Matrix pod when you're like 25, but in a, sure. Well, at that time, Keanu was probably well into his 30s, yeah. yeah. Um, because I was like 22. Um, yeah, good times. Go watch the Matrix, everybody. But skip, <laughs> but skip the sequels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man, 1999.
0: What a time for movies. I mean definitely just there was something for everyone in the year 1999 yes, that you were able to get kind of the early reboots to I mean reboots wasn't even like a word that yeah. was even on the they were remakes the at cultural the time. radar they were remakes and even at the time kind of remakes were very passé yeah As much, like I mentioned before, Pete and I are odd defenders of the Psycho remake. (laughs) The Psycho remake had just happened. So I feel like the word remake was left a very sour taste in a lot of moviegoers' mouth. Yes. Like mouths. But I feel like The Mummy... People started saying reimaginings. Like The Mummy... Well, that didn't happen until the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie. But The Mummy just was able to take this older property and just do something fresh and cool with it. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of camp in this movie, a lot of things for us young gay boys to latch on to. I love a fierce heroine. Yeah. That we mentioned with Rachel Vice. I mean,
1: she's beautiful, she's serving face, she's got costumes, she's got makeup, she's funny, she's and, smart. And
0: I'm like a huge Rachel Vice Rachel fan. I'm like yeah. her her number one fan here. I love yeah, Rachel Vice. I was wanting her to win the Oscar for the favorite. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to have a 2 for 2. Yeah. Record at the Academy Awards. She's so good in the favorite. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Rachel Edelweiss. Edelweiss, Edelweiss. In the
0: country. Um, Kind of what else in this movie that... Any kind of...
1: Final thoughts on 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 the mummy. mummy. I mean, it's just like there's little... Sprinklings of things for, for the gays to watch out for, you know, like I said, uh, if you're into like, if you're into like beefy daddies, like watch it for Arnold Vosloo and the American hunks yep. and just imagine what they're doing in their tents after mm-hmm. dark, after a long day yep. of digging in the desert, Brendan Fraser is just dreamy. He's just so dreamy. Wearing a,
0: a gorgeous hairpiece in this movie. Oh,
1: yes. this With this wig on him. Mm-hmm.
0: Is, it's uh, it's Cause, auburn. Because I want to say that Brendan's hair had probably been receding for a good time. So, probably any time after the year 98, he's probably wearing a hairpiece in a movie.
1: Yes. And Brendan Fraser's hair is this specific shade of, of auburn. It's like a burnt sienna. Yeah. Like, it's not just brown. Rachel Weiss has
0: brown hair. Mm-hmm. I Brendan was rocking... Brendan Fraser has... I was rocking that auburn hair for a while. Brendan
1: Fraser has, like, a burnt sienna. It's almost red. You know, yeah. it's a very... It's an auburn... You know chestnut like I don't yeah, I'm not I'm a stylist, so I'm not gonna call out the the colors or the numbers, but
0: yeah it's it's in the reddish family we have not even mentioned his nude scene in Gods and monsters that I remember pausing a lot I mean when he takes off that towel in front of Ian McKellen when they when they come in from the rain, see his butt right mm-hmm, you see his you, you see those gorgeous buns see those buns,
1: yeah, his. Like, I'm telling you, if you do not remember, if you're not around or whatever, Brendan Fraser – it was, like, before Brad Pitt. I mean, when you just think of, like, body, body, body in, like, cinema, you, like, Brad Pitt is the one that everybody always yeah. goes to from Fight Club. But before that, it was all about Brendan Frazier. Mm-hmm. And this was at a time when, like, beefy, hunky guys, you know, like – we more in like the David Hasselhoff, like yeah, pro was, wrestler kind of. It was of all life. about like
0: Leo and Titanic, who was like probably skinny. clocking in at like 130 in that movie. Oh,
1: 125. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like hunky guys went the way of like uh, pro wrestler, American gladiator, like buff, you know. Or it had you had to be very or specific like
0: Arnold too. But well, Arnold like was Arnold? Arnold kind of it. well, and also Arnold was was kind of like in his own class altogether. Yeah, with like him and JCV, like jean Claude Van Damme.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right now we're in this time where like every single male actor is just like super cut, super ripped, whatever this cardio body. But that wasn't really a thing at that time. And Brendan Fraser was kind of known for this nuts body. Um, and like I said. His face is just dreamy. He's the whole package. Um, So, yeah. And he's funny and charming. And
0: just like... Really knows how to play comedy. Yeah. Yeah. The one scene in Gods and Monsters that like when I watch it back now and I get a little misty eyed is that when you see the big uh, kind of dream sequence mm-hmm. of James Whale like oh, yeah. passing away yeah. and you see the reveal of Brendan Fraser uh-huh. and he looks like Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. and you're like, is that, is that Frankenstein's monster? Oh yeah. no, it's, it, it's yeah. Brendan What's Fraser yeah. and it's shot and he's shot in like silhouette. Yeah, it's Shadow. so beautiful. Yeah. Check out that that last scene of gods and monsters it's great check out all of gods and monsters there's lots of male nudity in it mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like gay pool <laughs> parties in that movie yeah really fun really fun
1: so yeah so check out the mummy you guys there's like a lot of like fun shit in it. it's just a
0: fun movie and kind of like what i was mentioning before we're so used to the school of marvel movie making yeah. and like the new dc movies that there's something just very fresh and fun about this movie that it was kind of laying the the blueprints of how to do movies like that, like it was yeah. onto something. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, we have Steven Summers to thank for a lot of that. Yes, indeed.
1: Um, so yeah, uh, check out The Mummy if you haven't already. Um, check out Brendan Fraser's other body of work as well as his body, body, body.
0: And also check out. Some of the old Universal Monster movies. Yes, those are all really fun as well. We have the box set because yeah. men- Pete mentioned before we're completists and we have to have everything <laughs> like together. And yes. Pete got me for Christmas one year a really cool Blu-ray set of all of the Universal Monster movies. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Most and- of them are good and some of them are kind of eh. Yeah, I'm like, kind of whatever on the 1950 uh, Phantom of the Opera that they included. It's a little bit of a slog. But um, yeah, for the most part, it's like know your history,
1: know where these movies com- came from. You know, we we all know these images burned into our brain of Bell Lugosi. You know, yeah, and- know your your queer icon James Whale. Yes, indeed, he was a legend. Yes, indeed, a, a, a gay movie director in like
0: ye old black and white Hollywood days. And from what everything I've read, like an pretty much an out. Movie director. Yeah. Like, I don't, it was no secret in Hollywood that he was gay. Yeah. An open secret mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Indeed.
1: Indeed. So, this was our first entry into our Brendan Fraser Love Fest. We'll be back soon with another Brendan Freeman. We have
0: a really good guest next week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A fun guest for it. She's one of my favorite people. Yes,
0: indeed.
1: But in the meantime, uh, while you're out there watching uh, The Mummy and The Mummy Returns, you should follow us on social media at Movies That Made Us Gay on Facebook. Facebook and Instagram. MTMUG Pod on the Twitters. Yes indeed. And head over to iTunes, where we would love for you to follow, rate and review our show. You know what you should do when you're on iTunes. Give us five stars. Give us five stars and write a review. Give, Give us you,
0: some nice words. You got
1: nothing to do. You're home. You're on lockdown. You're sheltering in place. Open your laptop and write a review. It's easy. And um, yeah do all that fun stuff And listen to us And uh, in the meantime We will See you Next week Bye everybody Bye Bye